There is hope for us yet We are young, we are aware I am Laura McCowan And I am Holly Whitaker And this is Home Podcast Oh, it's so good to be back Here No, that felt like a official homecoming. It really did. It's the first, I mean, I've answered some emails. I posted a couple things on social media. It's the first, this is the first thing. You're really back. Yeah, it feels like I'm really back. And you're wearing overall. Yes, as I told you. And you're sunburned. (laughs) Sunburned. It's all part of my get a man tactic. (laughs) Wear overalls (laughs) and skin damage. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and what? Be wicked sunburn. Be wicked sunburn. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. You can pull off overalls though. Fuck yeah, I can. You're, you're one of the only <laughs> only like you're one of five people. I can pull off I can pull off um like slobby looks very well. It's um it's one of my one of my talents. <laughs> <laughs> I look great in sweats. Um, yeah. All right. So two back. announcements. Yeah, but two announcements really quick. Number one, um, we're gonna run our t-shirt campaign again, and we'll do it. I think it. I think the max we can do is three weeks. We'll do it for three weeks. We'll introduce some men's stuff, different colors. We can mess around with that stuff. Um, and we'll do that this week. We'll just go ahead and relaunch it again, um, or maybe in a couple weeks. And then also, uh, Hip Sobriety School is starting May fifth, um, and this time we're doing again. We're doing it again. We're growing it a bit. We're taking more students on this time, um, but it, there still is a cap. Um, we are going to start. Uh, I'm going to start advertising it and doing promotional stuff around it and doing like a free video. Um, uh, webinar and all of that stuff. Um, starting going to do that uh, next. I'll start. Uh, I'll send start sending out emails about it, um, like either towards the end of this week or early next week. Um, so you can go to my website www.hipsobriety.com, uh, and if you click on work with me, there's links to sign up for the mailing list to stay in the loop on that. Um, and hopefully, Laura will continue week, to let me one, plug on plug yeah, it. One- <laughs> Of course. (laughs) One month from today. Yeah, it starts one month from today. Registration opens April 18th. Uh, And there will be, I I don't do, I I do it as cheap as I can, and I only offer discounts in the first, I think, 24 hours. So um, so make sure if you're interested in doing it and you want to get a discount, make sure and get on the mailing list for it. But I'm really excited to do it. The last one we did was was amazing. And, um, yeah, I love I love it. I love doing it. So, cool. Yeah. Okay. This that was the business stuff. Okay. So now we we are just talking today about what you've been doing for the past ten days while you've been away. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, I've been away for like fifteen or sixteen days. It's been a while. Yeah. But you were you were in a tent and. At least that's what everyone imagined. Everyone's like, she's in a tent, right? I was in a tent. Is she in a tent? I'm like, I'm not talking to her either. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I think think she's in a tent. At least that's funny to imagine. But um, so we're going to talk about that because it was was kind of a big experience for you. And um, yeah, we haven't even really recapped all of it. We talked um, 
talked a bit when you got back, but we kind of saved the details for, for this. So we're going to hear about what, what happened and how it was and get all the goodies about whether or not you were able to drink coffee and other, <laughs> the, other the important questions. Were, yeah, like did the boys sneak over to the girls' tent? Like these are the things I want to know. Those are really good questions, yeah. <laughs> so what were you doing? What was what 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 have you been doing? What was it? Uh, so I was in I was on the Big Island of Hawaii, and uh, in a uh, part of it called Pahoa. It's close to Hilo. I was uh, I was on a, a farm, <laughs> meditating, doing a ten day silent uh, vipassana meditation retreat. Um, What's vipassana? Okay, so um, so vipassana it's just a, it's a style of meditation, and it's uh, the lineage is it, it comes from. Uh, I believe it comes from Gautama, uh, Gautama Buddha, um, the Buddha. Uh, it comes from India, the Buddha. Um, it comes from India, and it's just—I mean, essentially, like I—I I believe, I believe, I believe, I believe what the the translation of it is is to to see reality, to, to see things how they how they truly are. Mm-hmm. And it is, you know, for me the first. Uh, the first actual meditation I was ever introduced to in 2012, January 2012, on my birthday, I went to Esalen and I went to a meditation retreat and I did Vipassana meditation with James Baraz, who's the founder of Spirit Rock. And and that's what like Dharma punks is. And and like it's kind of, it's the most common type of meditation. It's it's basically mindfulness meditation. It's It's a seated meditation where you don't like, you don't have a mantra you yeah. don't um you're not breathing or doing anything you're not using any other bodily function you're literally just sitting on your ass and you are going in and there's other there's other types of it like there's um like there's meta i, I know you know what meta meditation is which mm-hmm. is like the um the loving kindness meditations where you where you you know give love mm-hmm. but um but yeah it's just Vipassana. It's just, it's basically like as simple bare bones meditation as you can get. And this I did through, I did this through dhamma.org. Dhamma. Um, How do you spell that? Just curious. Yes. And I'll be talking about that because I think everyone, as we get through it, I'll I'll talk a little bit more about the organization. But D-H-A-M-M-A dot org. Dhamma dot org. Not dharma. Dhamma dot org. Mm-hmm. It's a it's cool. So yeah, it was uh, something that's taught by you know all of these have one one guru at the top like Yogi Bhajan and Kundalini. Uh, this is this is actually taught by uh, S N Goenka, who's no longer alive, uh, Indian guy. Awesome. So what what why did you do it? And we, we're going to get into all the questions about what <laughs> silent actually means and stuff. But why did you, why do you want to do it? Well, I think I always wanted to do it because I like um, I do like pushing myself. I like pushing myself a lot and doing really extreme things because um, I think that's how we change. I think when we really you know kind of throw ourselves in the fire is when we really get to see some of the bigger transformations. And I wanted to do this since I started. Um, you know, since I started working with James in 2012, I actually signed up for a three day silent meditation retreat with him at Mount Madonna, and then I stayed home. I got stoned instead. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> at my Almost own meditation retreat. Almost the same thing. No, but I, you know, I, I and I had talked to him about it then, and he had actually warned me against doing it um, Why? that early on because it's fucking wicked hard. Wicked. Oh. Now I'm going to say wicked. Oh, God. Because <laughs> um, it's hard. Because yeah. it's 10 days of not talking and meditating and um and it's But did he say that's why? Like Yeah, don't he do said so don't, early. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was like that's a that's a big deal. It's a big deal. You you know, you want some you want some experience. You maybe want to do some smaller retreats. Um get some, you know, get some more meditation under your belt before you run off and, you know, you know, test yourself in that capacity. Go, go be with yourself. <laughs> go be with yourself. Yeah. So I wanted oh. to do the, it for that. And I also, one of the biggest reasons I wanted to do it, I, I had uh, a woman that I, a woman that I work with is doing ayahuasca and uh, it was one of my clients. She was going to an ayahuasca ceremony and I, um, and, and I want to go, I want to do an ayahuasca ceremony. I've wanted to for a while. It's something that I'd love to test out for myself. It's used in breaking addiction. Um, it's highly controversial and I've, um, and I am all for it. I want to try it out. And uh, one of my clients was, the kind of impetus for this was she was doing this and I said, have you done the dhamma.org yet? And she'd done it. And I just knew, I do all of these very active, I meditate every day, right? And I do all of these very active meditations, all these very active things. Like I breathe. Yoga and breathing. Right, right. Well, I mean, I do, but yoga is, I treat, you know, asana, like moving yoga. I don't treat that as a meditation. But I mean, I actually meditate every day and I use either guided meditations or I use binaural beats or I use a lot of kundalini. Rare is it that I just sit and do a Vipassana style meditation where it's just me on my, you know, meditation pillow um, you know, and following my breath and, and, you know, noticing my body and going in and, you know, and really just watching the thoughts. And, um, so there was part of me that wanted to, um, and, and I don't think that's very beneficial to me because I'm a doer. I do, 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 do. And in my meditations I'm doing. And so that was part of it was wanting to test myself on that. And also, I just, I've been writing about this cross-addiction piece on my blog. I've, I've put two um, posts up, and I have found it. I, I smoked cigarettes for a while in uh, December, and I, it started in Peter Italy. Cigarettes. Peter cigarettes. yeah. Um, and then I smoked in December, and I stopped, and I have been unable to be with myself, Um in a much more obvious way since. And so I wanted to, I'm always needing to stuff it, you know. I've used a lot of tools, a lot of healthy tools, a lot of healthy tools. But I find that I'm always looking for something. And I wanted to go and just be with myself and not have an escape, even if it's like a breathing exercise or even yeah. if it's, you know, I just didn't, I didn't want, I wanted to close down the escape routes, all of them, um, and be with myself. Yeah. I, it sounds like somewhat a bunch of people said to me while you were gone, you know, I, I, I hope she's okay. Like, you know, I can't, I can't imagine <laughs> doing that. And I, I seriously, it's like, I, I, I cannot either. It's, I, I think I'm a pretty brave person, but that scares, it's scary. It's really scary. So, so, okay. um, so what what did you expect? Like, what did you expect? I expected it to be, um, what did I expect? 
I expected not talking to be incredibly hard. I expected uh, that I would be, I would have a lot of emotional breakdowns. Um, I expected like, like you'd have these upheavals and just be like, yeah, I thought it would be a lot like when I first stopped drinking, um, and my skin was coming off, you know, um, I thought that I would have a, a lot harder time meditating. I, th- I you know I, I imagined that I would be burning. That's really what I imagined that I would be yeah. sitting still and burning and um, and layers. I could feel them. I that I'd feel layers come off. And I also really imagined that I would come out the other side of this this profound in this profound Zen state. Yeah. Um, yeah. And having had all these beautiful realizations, you know what I mean? Like I swore, like, you know, I would, you know, I, Jesus would appear before me or something was going to happen. I thought it would be much. Did I you thought, have like stuff you wanted to work through specifically? Well, yeah, we just, you know, it's really funny. Um, I mean, my biggest stuff that I have to work through is obviously this um, not being able to be with myself. That's one. And man stuff, man stuff, man stuff, man stuff. We know this. And uh, like, I didn't think about this until the night. So, so we arrive, right? Okay. So this is what it's like. You know, this was done in Hawaii. I did it at um, in Pahoa in Hawaii. I did it on a farm, and it's like a huge eight acres of land, beautiful Hawaiian land, right off the volcano. Um, And so there's a lot of lava on the ground, but just it's just this gorgeous acreage, and um, it's this camp. You arrive. And there's, like, other people? Yeah, you arrive. It's so funny because I imagined it would be, like, Esalen and, like, people, you know, drive up in their Volvos to Esalen. You know, they're, they're, you know, they're, they're, it's a lot of tech people or a lot of, you know, it's, it's, Esalen's expensive and it's fancy. It is fancy for, you know, I expected to be someone like that and I arrive in a taxi cab and I show up and I'm, um... (sighs) I'm like the least hippie. I mean, this never happens to me, but I'm like the least hippie person there. And what were you wearing? Well, I was. Oh God, I was wearing my. Um, I was wearing black. Um, black like uh, Lululemon uh, tights. Oh God, and I was wearing. Um, I was wearing a, a like a, a long sweatshirt with my the shoulder you know hanging off. I was wearing sexy yoga clothes, and. But it wasn't, I mean, I packed sport, like sport, slutty sporty. I, I packed like I, my yoga yeah. clothes are, you know, a little, like I, I don't want to say slutty, but I like to feel very sexy in my yoga clothes. So I packed all that stuff. I didn't even think about like, you know, um, conservatism. And I, and I, and there's like this, I read as I'm signing in that no leggings are, are allowed. Wait, and what? Yeah. And, the, and like, and everyone around me, all the women are wearing, you know, there's a lot of dudes, a lot of white dudes with dreads and a lot of patchouli, oh, God. a lot of, um, a lot of scarves, like people had scarves and, and very pretty <laughs> clothes. Like it felt like everyone had been to India and had done their shopping ahead of time. Or, you know, like it just like there was, everyone had very, um, yes. And there I am wearing tights um why no leggings what's that because it's because it's also it's a male I mean I I think in a lot of this stuff you know it's a there's the difference between waking up and growing up and I think that a lot of the stuff a lot of the lineage that we get some of these things from are pretty you know this comes from dudes 
That's the stuff. Yeah. Like you read a lot of this stuff, like the Eight Noble Truths or the Eightfold Path or like Shanti Deva, you know, the Bodhisattva way. They're talking to men, you know. Part of it is don't look at what, like part of like the original code is, you know, don't be alone in a room with a woman, you know. That's like part of the so original code. And so I think yeah. possibly, partly, it's, um, you know. Don't look at her ass? I mean, is that... I don't like, know. My my guess is that it still is just it, part of it is you know respect for the tradition, and part of it is um, yeah. There's I think there's a little sexism in a lot of these Eastern philosophies. It just it just is. If you read any of it, I mean, it's not the most ludicrous thing to say that you know a lot no, of the stuff is geared towards the men. Countries, yeah, <laughs> yeah. If you think about the countries where. <laughs> Where this stuff originated, it's yeah. Okay. So no, so I show up and and it's on a farm, and I immediately make because um, you asked me what I if I wanted to work on anything specifically, and that's what I'm winding towards. So I immediately um, cannot put my tent up, and um, I am like, uh, this girl's to come and help me set my tent up, and she and I become friends, and then this other girl that she's with uh, turns and out she's talking. from LA. Like can we can talk the, the first night, yeah. The, the okay. orientation, it, we go into noble silence. You get there, it's ten days. You get there, and on um, Wednesday night we had dinner, and for the rest of the time we would not have dinner, but we have dinner on Wednesday night. And we have a small orientation. We're mixed with the boys. And then at like we go in for our first meditation. That's when noble silence begins. You're not allowed to look at other people, make eye contact, or do anything that is any sort of communication with another human being. Um, you know, obviously no speaking, um, but no gesturing, no smiling, no, you know, no acknowledgement. Just you keep to your own space. You don't pierce the other person's space. And Okay, um, so wait, 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 wait. So I have to know, like I have to go back. Yeah. First night. So the tenth. You set up a tent that you are just like everyone sets up their own. Yes, I brought a tent. I brought a tent. Oh, you brought a tent. Yes, I brought a huge backpack. Um, I have, I do have a backpack, like a hiker backpack. I brought my, I brought a one woman sleeping bag. I brought a a two man tent, a small uh, backpacker tent. I brought an air mattress pad, a camp pillow, a lantern, my own dishes, uh, and four sets of clothes and a water bottle. It was very, very, I didn't have a lot of stuff with me, no. And everyone does that. There's not like some people choose to have rooms and some people tents. There were cots for some of the um, because because there wasn't enough room for all the tents because it, it's in the rainforest and it rained the whole time. There's only enough canopy for a certain certain number of tents. So some people were on cots um, in kind of in these little like I mean they were singles. It was like a it was very small. They had a cot and in a in a yeah. room and and like the room was the size of the cot. Um, and so, yes, yes, there's showers. It's set up like a camp. Um, there's There were toilets. There were flushing toilets. There were showers. And there's one main meditation tent. And everyone sets up their own tent on the first night. You know, get yourself set up. And, and then um, – and yeah, you basically, you're there to meditate. It's 105 hours of meditation and it's 17 hour days. It's from 4.30 in the morning until 9.30 at night. Um, and How do you and, wake up? There, every, everything that we do like is on a bell. So like when you, when your meditation is done, it's a bell. When lunch is ready, it's a bell. And when you wake up in the morning, there's a bell at 4 a.m. and a bell at 4.20. And I was getting up at 4 a.m. because I forgot to bring a towel and I had to use my previous night's clothes to dry myself off. And I, for some reason, I mean, we're all, you know, farting in front of each. I mean, it was like the most like (laughs) fucking free for all, but I was embarrassed about not having a towel so I took my shower at four in the morning 
to wipe myself off with my previous night's clothing. I was filthy. I was so gross. I smelled so bad. Um, but yeah, it was just, yeah, so we set up our tents and then we, you know, we basically moved through the day in, in, in silence, not looking at anyone else, going in between the group meditation tent and our own tents for personal meditation. Um, and, you know, there's two meals, there's breakfast and there's lunch and then there's tea time in the evening and then there's a Dharma talk um, for about an hour and a half in the evening. But I mean, it's for the most part, for 10 and a half hours of the day, we were meditating. So what, what, um, were you hungry? Well, hold on. So the, I do want to say, like, the first thing that I, I went into, the three women and I, that night we got there, we talked for a little bit, and we, we all made a pact that we wouldn't leave. We said no leaving. That was the last thing that we said. Like, no just running out. Like, a lot of people, there is, people leave, I and mean, people can't stand oh, it, and they'll leave. And oh. there's there's certain times that people exit. I think, like, day two is a big day, and then I think day five is a big day. And day five is the day that I wanted to leave. Um, and, like, literally, like, like, I mean, just get the fuck out. <laughs> yeah, and I stayed because I made that fucking pact with those girls, and I, and I wanted to talk to them afterwards. It was really, truly what it what um what did awesome. Yeah, but but anyway, so we're all talking, and one of them says, "I'm working on this." Another one says, "I'm working on this," and I was like, and and Peter cigarettes from my. <laughs> my recent blog stuff um who i i have spoken about who's kind of this guy that i had a very short-lived relationship with in december um moved 10 miles away from me while i was there and you and found out about it just before you left right before i left so i'm walking and and like my stuff is guy stuff it just is it's this i get you know that's where my shit lives and um so that was what i found out right before i went into this thing and so the girls were asking me what i was working on and i was like nothing and then i was like you know i think i'm working out this and um yeah, and so that was kind of one of the things I wanted. I just wanted answers, and and the funny thing is, I didn't think about that at all. I didn't. I like the last two days. I did. I did. And oh, I oh, you decided, mean like during the thing? Yeah, I didn't. I gave it yeah. up. I didn't try and work that out. Um, but the the thing that did actually come to me was how much. Um, I don't know if I want to answer this yet because I feel like I'm just cheating and jumping right to the punchline. Um, so I'm going to – I'll come back to that. Yeah, don't answer. Yeah. Okay. The thing I so, did discover is uh, – Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, um, okay. So you're you're kind of describing what it was actually like, which is what I wanted to know next. But um, – so wait, answer the hungry question. You had two meals a day. Were they good? I was never and- hungry. And the food was delicious. It was all vegetarian. Um, I had to go off of my candida cleanse stuff because it was really hard to do gluten-free. And I just also was like, fuck yeah. this. I mean, I'm already, you know, doing all this other stuff. I just, I didn't want to restrict myself with food. So, I mean, I had, it was very, it was, you know, some tropical fruits, lots of oatmeal, lots of like stewed prunes, juices, teas. And then at lunch, there was always some sort of Indian-inspired vegetarian dish, um, lots of you know, and salad mixings. And, um, you know, we ate at 6.30 in the morning and then we ate at um, 11 a.m. And then we had tea at 5 p.m. And it was so funny because they served fruit during the tea time at 5. and yeah. But very minimal fruit, like, you know, a quarter of a papaya and like two mini bananas, you know, like the real actual bananas that, you know, grow yeah. anyway. And um, I got to – <laughs> I did get to like – 
um, the point where I was cutting it up into small bites and pouring the rice milk that was for the tea into it, as well as salt and lemon juice and cinnamon yeah. just to make food, just because it was, yeah, um, it was it was pretty hard. It was pretty hard. That that like the the evenings were a little hungry, um, but yeah. but not no, it wasn't pretty hard. It was slightly hard, but not very. Not as much. You were nervous about that part, like the the two meals. Yeah, because I was afraid that I was going to get really compulsive about it. I was afraid I was going to get because that's the kind of thing that throws me into total um, food obsession, which is restriction and buffet. And we were go, and that was what we were going through. And and it sounds funny, but it's true. Like whenever there's buffet and then restriction. Um, and also, you know, a short, like only so much food, the thought of there's only so much food to go around that for this many people, I get crazy and I'll overeat and then I'll obsess about overeating and there was no exercising as well, which is, you know, I also, so, um, I, but the, the beauty of it was I did not actually, I, 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 I did think about food a, a, a lot, um, Leading up to the meals, I started, you know, my mouth was watering for the breakfast. Um, But I was very careful to not be, I didn't overeat and I didn't go crazy about it. I just kind of, I ate what I needed to eat. um, And that was fine. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. What, what, um, so what about actually sitting? Like, what was that like? Awful. That was one of the hardest parts. So, okay. So they have it structured, right? So you go in and... For for the 10 days, they're moving you through a technique. It's a specific Vipassana technique taught by... Goinka, which is this, which also comes from this lineage. The I, the thought, the thought, the story behind this is that Gautama Buddha, am I saying it right? Gautama Buddha, um, who is the Buddha, um, I started establishing these types of um, centers and and this type of the Dhamma, the or not the centers, but the, he started teaching this type of meditation, and that it was there were places set up in India. And um, there were also places that were set up outside of India. There was places uh, set up in, in um, other parts of Asia. And this, uh, this, in its pure form, um, including the chants and the dialects that come with it, only survived in its pure form in Burma, which is where Goenka, the man who is behind all these centers, which is where he was born he's Indian but he was born in Burma and he was exposed to it and now he, and he's behind actually like you know creating all these different centers and so his technique is it's a 10-day technique and over those days they they're your folk you focus first on you know sitting and and you do focus on your breath and but you focus on the sensation of your breath and then you move through this whole technique and on the fourth day they teach you the the vipassana which is um actually sitting in um it's a it's a it's a three-hour process one hour is just you're you're doing a meditate a group meditation and then for two hours after that immediately after that you're sitting and you're not supposed to move you're not supposed to leave the room and you do this um bit by bit type of meditation where you are literally um like piece by piece uh, you're you're detecting sensation in every square inch of your body. It's slow. It's deliberate. And this was the this was the fucking trippiest and the hardest part for me. And this is where I started wanting to leave, um, because and there's someone walking you through this. Yes. Yeah. 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 There's his voice is recorded. Goinka. He's dead, but his voice oh. is. He, it's like crazy. Oh, the whole thing was like 
fucking Lost. I mean, we go in, and I don't know if anybody here is what well, I was obsessed with Lost, but it's oh, yeah. like there's okay. So there's also boundaries on this course. Like you cannot there. Like they set up signs. You cannot leave the property and. Furthermore, you cannot walk very far on the property. The women's camp is restricted and the men's camp is restricted. There's invisible boundaries. So there's like all these people not talking to each other, you know, wearing very plain clothes. There's invisible boundaries. Every night we go into it a tent and there's like one TV and it's got sometimes bad reception. The guy that was le- – there was like a, a guy in charge that was leading it and his name was – um, Mike and he was this white dude that looked like an accountant and it, the, the whole I swear to God the whole time I was like this is like lost because and we're in Hawaii I mean, anyway so I love it um yeah so on the fourth day they teach us you know Goinka's voice is booming and he's teaching us this thing and this is what was so weird for me was I didn't get really zen for I was meditating so much at this point by the fourth day I'd meditated over 30 hours right and I'd been diligent about it I'd shown up I on time but ahead of time and I had not allowed myself I did not allow myself to do any daydreaming I stuck with it and I'd done so I'd done like 30 over 30 hours of meditation at this point and we start going and doing this and the thing that had come up for me the most surprising thing that had come up for me was that I started to think about all that I had lost two things I had thought about all that's come into my life since I got sober so I'm like I literally um have this montage to the song I saw I watched uh you've got mail before I left and there's this part from when when she's closing her bookstore there's this song and that song is like my montage song and I'm imagining my niece Elia and I'm imagining all this beauty that's come into my life and at the same time I hadn't thought for so long about all the things I had lost I thought about my best I mean my best friend from junior high and I don't talk anymore my best friend from college since you got sober yeah and so it was so weird. And I met Jeff, my best, you know, Jeff, one of this man that was my close friend, my my business, like my work husband, my business partner, my roommate for five years. He's getting married in September. And he just kind of fell out of my life. And all these, I, I just was, I, I was consumed by the reality because I had time to stop. I haven't stopped since I got sober. It has been one thing after the other, after the other, after the other. It's either quitting the cigarettes in the pot or going to Italy or quitting my job or starting this business. You know, it's been one thing and I haven't stopped to actually take in how much has changed. And I was just so consumed and heartbroken over all I had lost and I hadn't thought about it in a long time and I was just crying over Jeff I mean I miss that like you know he's totally fallen out of my life this is somebody that was like my closest friend for years and you know my girlfriend Sarah who I you know was was uh, who I moved to San Francisco to be closer to and my best friend from junior high who's you know whose godson I or whose son I was the godmother of you know like these these things that have just you know been lost and uh, and this is what I'm thinking of for the three or four days leading up to this fourth day where we learn this technique of going bit by bit throughout our body and I'm also thinking very like clearly about all this bigness that's come into my life and the craziest thing happens to me is we're going through and doing this two hour oh, it was like three hour session where we're literally feeling like slowly slowly feeling the sensation we're not able to move we have to sit there and for two hours bring into you know our our awareness like you know every square into your body and the 
I wanted to run. It was the hardest thing. I, I, I was certain I was about to scream in pain um, because what was happening was physically painful, but at the same time also what was happening was I had – it was like um, seeing my life flash before my eyes, but it was just the last three years. It was everything that I'd like I'd gotten and everything I'd lost, and he's sitting there, and he's – and the whole point of, of you doing this technique he's teaching you is to notice that you might have an itch – Mm-hmm. on your on your upper left eyebrow and once you go th- back through your body that itch is gone you might you know the idea is to bring into contact that every cell at the cellular level every single thing changes all the time nothing ever stays the same and so much of our pain comes from the intolerance we have you know the aversion we have towards the things we don't want and the craving we have towards the things that we do want and the and the and the inability to be in this in this in this in this this emptiness or in this space where you know the groundlessness what what Pema would say the fundamental groundlessness or the uh, the fundamental what is it? What it tell me? Help me with this. The uh, fundamental condition of um, groundlessness, yeah, or I don't know. Yeah. And the ambiguity, the ambiguity of of life. We cling first. We cling for you know to things. We cling to things. We don't yeah. you know impermanence. Yeah, and so I so he's sitting there and talking about everything changes. Everything changes, including the knee pain that you have. My knee, my my knees are awful. My knee was just throbbing, and my whole life over the last couple of years, and even before then, it's just flashing, 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 like on a um, like on high speed. And I um, I mean, I thought my head was gonna explode. I thought I was. I thought my skin was going to burn off. It was the most painful thing I've ever been through. Um, How long was that going on for? Two hours. It was one hour. We did a group meditation for one hour ahead of it, and then two hours. Well, it, I think there was also a um, uh, whatever it was. It was forever for fucking ever. Did it I feel was, like days? I mean, did it feel forever, yeah. or did it feel fast, or did it feel both, or did you have any sense of time? I still don't have sense of time. I still don't know what the fuck happened. It's just yeah. Like, um, but it was, um, it was forever. It was when you're in something like that, it's never going to end, you know, um, your knee hurts and you have to think, you know, like it just, it felt like it was never going to end. But, um, the thing when I came out of it, it was almost just like, you know, then, then they release you from this meditation. And at the end I just fell forward and I just started sobbing and I was just the realization and I wrote about it. I, um, I'll talk about that in a little bit because I did write. You're not supposed to communicate or do anything creative or write. No, I did. But I um, I was – I got it. I don't know how to explain it other than to say yeah. everything changes all of the time. Everything changes. Everything. And I know that. I know that. But the, the thing – right. I know like that you- in my brain. But there is something – and this is one of the biggest lessons I learned from this whole thing, which is that experience – is always going to be different. You can know every last little thing, every last little thing, but until you fucking do it, you can know everything about meditation, but until you sit and test yourself in it, you will never, ever understand it. And so I... I under I know I know everything changes, but I, in that moment, got everything changes and so um it was just it was painful and then the next day and and I and you know the thing that was really like um 
Well, we'll wait because you're going to ask me if it's what yeah. the hardest thing was, and I want to talk about that. But, but yeah, it was just it was. So you sat, anyways. You 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 did this technique, and over a period of ten days, it was you you were in very very very. Um, we for three of the meditation periods a day for three hours a day we had to sit for one full hour without moving that means without opening our eyes without changing our hand position without changing our leg position and um i have i i went and i i asked the head guy i said what's the difference between good pain and bad pain and he just kind of laughed and i said well my i don't want to do permanent damage to my knees and he said no one's ever done permanent damage to their knees in an hour and so he said you know he said sit through the fucking pain basically he was like be in the be in pain be in it and actually find equanimity during that that's the point of it so hard that's the the physical side of meditation is the thing I find the hardest it was so hard but I did it I made it through uh, and I the next day you know I was kind of like challenge accepted I wanted to leave and I kept I was just like especially after him saying I I was like you know my teacher Steph Snyder says um you can mess with the gods, but you can't mess with your knees. I think it's her that says it. Um, and I was just like, that fucking idiot doesn't know anything about knees. But then, um, and I and I was, you know, and I was also, you know, I was not happy with a lot of the stuff. I was, I was very, very appalled at a lot of the, a lot of the, the stuff, um, a lot of the technique. And you know, we cling to what we know. And I was just sitting there, and I was like, oh, Kundalini is just the best. And so yeah. I had this moment where I wanted to leave, and I was like, fuck this. And um, and actually, this. I had this like hallucination of Yogi Bhajan appearing and I was just talking to him and I was like, Yogi, I was like, Yogiji, I can't do this. And I was like, I, this is, they're teaching me bad stuff. And like, and he, and he like was sitting next to me and he was like, let me look, let me look. And he was like, I understand what they're teaching you. And he's like, well, it's not the best, but it's, it's another way. And he said, you know, like you can, you can do this. And I was like, um, oh my God, I love that. I know, I know. And he was just like, he was laughing with me at some of the stuff and like he'd roll his eyes at some of the stuff and he'd be like, oh goodness, you know, and, um, and then he just was like, but he was like, you, you can do this though and he was like like you know like take it seriously you know don't do the kundalini breathing don't you know he was like you you committed you you gave your word to be here you gave your word to do it the way that they're teaching it to you don't don't you know like stay true to your word that's the practice and so he said you know make it without moving for an hour I'll sit here with you for the rest of the time if you don't leave and so that was crazy oh enough, but I like love that. I know. So Yogi Yogi Bajan showed up and was you had a um, visit. Mm-hmm, I had a visit, and I was that was when I was pretty sure I was I was like on acid or something, but um, <laughs> but yeah. So he sat with me, and like every t- and I literally pretended he was there. I just would like I'd look up and yeah. roll my eyes, and he'd roll his eyes back at me, and we'd laugh, and then like you know, and then he just kept on saying, "Keep up, keep up, keep up." You know, and so oh. I made it through on that fifth day. I made it through a sit for the first time in my life in an hour without moving. And then I every sit after that, I, I did uh, I did for the full hour without moving. That's amazing. That's yeah. a big deal. That's a huge <laughs> deal. And yeah. I love that you got visited. Like, yeah. that makes, that's the best part of your story so far for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it's so funny, too, because I've, I've been a questioner of Yogi Bhajan as well. You know, there's been times yeah. where I've run away from, from some of the teachings in Kundalini just because it's, 
you know, I'm because I'm that's me. My, the way that I work with things is I, I absorb and reject and absorb and reject and and I get there, but um, yeah, you hate everything first. I do. I really do. <laughs> I and yeah. So, um, <clears throat> okay. So that's that's super cool. So, so um, I wonder. I'm trying to think. If there's any other questions I have about like how it actually was. So. So how did they break the the <laughs> silence at the end? Well, um, they... And did I, you really not look at anybody in the eye the whole yeah, time? Yeah, yeah. And that was... Is that hard? Yeah. We, one of the questions, and this is what I really oh, want yeah, to answer, is what's the, what's the hardest, what's the, what was the hardest thing? And the hardest thing for me was not not talking. That was easy. I was actually yeah. excited about it first when they said, you don't have to make eye contact with anybody because they've been living in L.A. for the last, you know six weeks and I think I've talked or maybe have I been here for two months I don't even know how long I've been here um but I've gotten everyone looks at everyone and makes eye contact and smiles and this is so different than San Francisco and and here they were like you're not allowed to look at anybody make eye contact and for someone like me like who gets really like overwhelmed by you know that whole walking up to somebody making eye contact are they gonna look back at me are they gonna smile am I gonna have to talk to them you know I get a lot of anxiety around that and I was like sweet and so I thought I thought it would just be hard to not talk it was not hard to not talk it was very hard to not look at people and and love people that was the hardest part for me was that um and I, I, it became, like, it was just so clear as I was going through it. Um, when people don't like, look oh. at each other, when people, we don't, we didn't, you know, we, we specifically would bow our heads and we walked by each other. We both, everyone would look the other way. And um, it, there, you know, we're, if we're all sit, we're all, like, on this farm, if we're eating food, we're not looking at each other, we're not passing each other things, we're not, you know, helping each other clean stuff up, we're not, um you know, if there was a ladle and I was using a ladle to spoon something, I would set it down. I wouldn't hand it to somebody. Um, and so, and people were not smiling and I found it very easy to make up bad stories about people. I found it very easy to think the worst about people and, and feel in competition with them and feel like they didn't like me and that I was being judged. And, um, yeah. So did that start kind of right away? Yeah, it did because I just – it's cruel. It feels cruel and compassionless to be around so other people and not acknowledge them. And I, yeah. I feel like, you know, it leads – it led to really crazy things. Like when we were going to the bathroom, I mean, I didn't care if I made a farty noise. <laughs> I Like didn't. you almost want to like be like – Well, no, not me. like I wanted to. No, not not because of that. Just because they can't, they can't make eye contact with me. So I can do whatever right. I want, you know. Um, there is this freedom in it, but there was just this, like, I felt like I got, like, I, it felt like prison. I mean, it really felt like I imagine prison would feel like, like we knew when it's every woman for herself and, um, and uh, yeah. And so it wasn't hard to not talk. It was hard to not love. It was hard to not like look at somebody in the eye. And I, I found myself watching some of them from afar and just seeing like this one older woman, Elaine, she, um, she would bring her umbrella everywhere. And then I saw her one day, like, like just looking at the sky, you know, and it would never rain when she brought her umbrella. And I saw her looking at the sky and I just, my, my heart broke open for that. I want, you know, I just, I felt like there was just such an, an extreme amount of love for, for her humanness. And, um, we saw a a bunch of wild baby pigs one day and two of them. Oh my God. I know. And two of them. Shout out to Lara. 
Yeah, I know. I thought of her a lot. I thought of Lara a lot. Um, but, like, it's Lara, like Sarah. Um, it is? Mm-hmm. I thought it was Lara. 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 sure. Lara, like Sarah. No, it's Lara. Mm-hmm. Okay. She'll anyway, tell us right away. Yeah, right. Um, no, but like I, I, and then two other girls were there. We all saw it, and we looked at each other. We were just like in near tears, smiling, because um, it was such a big deal. Because we were so, de- it was just like oh. it was like prison, you know. And um, so it was really funny because I expected when um, they broke the silence. It was just so weird how they broke the silence. So the day before, they did it for a couple of hours, and um, it was, we had a, on, you know, because we, the last day was Sunday, on Saturday at 11 a.m., I think it was, no, from 9 to 9.45 a.m., they teach us meta, um, they spend 45 minutes teaching us loving kindness and compassion, it's the only time that we ever talked about loving kindness and compassion, which was very hard for me. Um, yeah, because I bet you, like, I would expect it to feel very... It uh, felt godless. The whole thing felt godless. There's like, you know, Pema Chodron talks about how the ideal is not to go to the climb to the top of the mountain, because when you right. climb to the top of the mountain, you leave everyone else behind. And I felt like this specific yeah. style of meditation was pushing us to liberate ourselves but not for the sake of everyone else. It was to liberate ourselves. And it was climbing to the top of the mountain. Instead of, you know, like Pema says, going down into the depths to yeah. to be You're with human. everyone else. Yeah. And so um, so it felt very, I don't know, it just felt like uh, there, was no, there was no God. And I realized, oh, I missed God so much. And there was, you know, and, and anyway, so I'll talk about that because this is kind of what getting into what I learned. But, um, but they broke the silence. By on the last day, um, or on the Saturday before, it just it was like we knew it was happening, but like the, they didn't say anything about us. We, they just said at nine forty-five, you you know, you can talk for these periods. They changed the schedule for that day. It was very different. There was co- oh. you know, there was men and there women was no, together. No like, ceremony about it or anything. No, the fucking guy just gets up and leaves the stage. The head meditator guy, the white guy, and um, like drops the mic and like. <laughs> All the men go outside and they, they just start talking immediately. Most of the women stayed. I found I couldn't, I was dying to talk. I was like, oh my God, it's talk day, it's talk day, it's talk day. And then I found myself not wanting to leave the tent. I started bawling at that point. I could. I didn't want to go outside. I didn't want it to be over. I had wanted it nothing but for it to be over. And at that point, I was like, I didn't want it to be over. I wanted to remain in my silence. I didn't want to go outside and face the world. I didn't want to go and talk to these women. Um, I was terrified that they wouldn't want to talk to me. I was terrified. You know, it was just, what do we say? What do you know? What do you say? What do you say to somebody? Yeah. I, you know, I, I like thought of my niece Elliot. She always says to people she meets when. Like, new people, like, what's your favorite color? And I just imagined myself going, like, what's your favorite color? And so, um, yeah, so so I, I, like, lingered. And then I finally, when I saw one of the women I, I had met the night before, um, who's now one of – she lives in L.A. and she's now one of my best friends. Um, I'm just kidding. But no, like um, – She is. And she, she – yes, yes, she is. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to be weird about it. But yeah, she totally is. And I saw her go outside and I was like, okay, there's somebody I can talk to that they're safe. And then I went up and I started and I tried to talk to her and I couldn't talk. I said, I can't talk. And I started crying. And then, you know, 20 minutes later, I was just like, ah! you know, and like the whole thing yeah. was, you know, it was very easy to get back to talking. Um, but that they broke it by in a very non, everything about it was very non-ceremonious. They broke it in a very yeah. non-ceremonious way. It was just like, okay, peace. 
you know, good talk. And then we um, stopped talking again later on that night. And in uh, anyway, yeah. So you had one whole day there at the end where you were talking. Not one whole day, most like close to it, like about eight hours of that day. Um, okay. Not like we would go in and out, in and out. There was like there were times we would talk, there were times we wouldn't, and so um, it was called noble silence. And there were times we would respect noble silence, but they did that in order to allow us to, you know, kind of. They called it a shock absorber, right? Yeah. So what? What was the um? What was the most surprising thing? The the, mo- the most surprising thing was um was how um well what all the women that I met were once we started talking they were lovely and um women are the best women are the best um but that I think the most surprising thing for me was um how much I wrote a list of things that I learned and I kind of want to read it but um do you want me to read it or no how many is it no, it's too much. Um, it's like 30 things. Never mind. Well, um, post it. I will. I will. I'm going to write about it. But uh, the the most surprising thing was how much, you know, I I have been on this introvert kick. I, you know, I feel overexposed, you know, because of how much I communicate with people and how much I'm out there. And I really found um, how important people are to me. That was big. That was a really big deal. Um, that was one of the biggest things was, was um, how much I need people and how much yeah. I miss people, and um, and that I need to do a better job out here in the real world, um, balancing my work life so that you know, and the amount of the communications that come through that, so that I can actually enjoy a lot more authentic relationships where I um, like that are not necessarily work centric. I give everything to work. You know, everything I do, every communication I have is basically reserved for. Um, either clients or for people in my school or for people that um, I, you know, come into contact with either through, you know, that email me or through social media. And um, and I don't leave any part of myself up to really have just just free-flowing, you know. It's your friendships and your relationships, yeah, yeah, yeah. that aren't part of that. I, I mean, I think it totally makes sense. And yeah. it seems like the perfectly, like, natural sort of line that you're getting to, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and I, which I have been working towards, but I think it would, I've been in this place where I'm like, God, people, you know, and um, yeah. now I, I was just like, oh, people. And, you know, that was one thing. And then the other big thing was that I realized Kundalini is my path. I mean, I've had a lot of back and forth, ups and downs, but like, you know, especially rejecting a lot of the part of it that's attached to Sikhism. And um, I just really grew to, um, to know that, like, I guess I, I had, a, I, I developed a, a confidence in, in the path that I've, cho- the path that I've taken and, and the, and what is, you know, what really calls to me, I question it, I question, is it enough? Is, but I, um, you know, there was this one part in the teachings where Goenka says, when you're looking for water, you don't dig, you know, a hundred, ten feet holes, you know, you dig a couple holes, but you go deep you know maybe you know like you you don't just you know give up you know go down this one and stop and go down this one and stop you're never going to find the water you go deep and um I've been I have gone pretty deep in kundalini I've gone pretty deep in vinyasa I've gone you know pretty deep in in, in um like Pema's teachings which are 
the yeah. Shambhala tradition and um, yeah. and Tibetan Buddhism. Um, those three things, I, and, and I think that's enough for me. I want to keep on exploring stuff and I want to keep looking, but I know Kundalini is my number one love. I know it's my path. And awesome. And it's so nice to know that and like feel that and go deeper, you know? Yeah. You, you could keep, you could go forever finding new paths, but I yes. Think- amazing to go deep on you know on something that you really really connect with yeah yeah I have a spiritual name it's Sukhinder Kar and I have ditched it and I just was like and that kept on coming up in my mind and then it also dawned on me that the initials are also Sikh Suk Ender Kar um which I thought was funny I don't know um you know there's just yeah there was the that was really surprising and then also the the third thing was that was really surprising was um how much stuff I'd been holding on to and not letting go. And then the fourth thing that was really surprising was, um, you know, I I had lost a lot of the joy and a lot of the love um, for um, the wonderment of the path because, and, and this is kind of, this is like the thing that I'll probably be writing about the most. The, the biggest realization in all of it was that um, there was something so big in those first few months of sobriety. And, and then, you know, and, and I, and the thing that was killing me so much was, you know, when I, before sobriety was, um, how much I was chasing, how much I was chasing, um, you know, the career and the status and the money and, and how unhappy I was. I had gotten all these things that I had wanted and I was unhappy um, and unfulfilled. And I, you know, I went into this also somewhat, you know, unfulfilled and I wasn't, I wasn't as happy as I thought I should be, you know, I mean, by so many, you know, I'm successful in so many things. I've been very successful in sobriety. Thank God. I've been successful in you know, writing and I quit my job and I managed to make money doing something I love. And this podcast alone is another, you know, and I've met you, I've made great friends. I've had so much fortune and and everything I set out to do, all the things I set out to quit, all the things I set out to accomplish. I've so far, I'm there, I'm doing that stuff. You know, I'm I'm not saying I'm there, but I mean, I've, I've, so far, you know, I've, I've done the whole Rome thing still for two months a year. You know, like everything I said I would do, I've done. And I am, I found myself in that same place of it's not enough, you know, and I'm not happy. How am I not happy? And um, I, I got, I got, I, I got back in touch with that same wonderment I had at the beginning and that same connection. And also just this realization that I'm, ch- I'm chasing this, you know, still the same st- I'm still chasing this stuff. I'm still, and I'm still looking to this outward stuff to make me happy. I'm still thinking, I'm still under the fallacy that having this stuff is actually going to make me happy. This is wonderful stuff. This is wonderful, life-fulfilling, great stuff, writing, you know, and, and filling my purpose and, and doing this, you know, the school and, and bringing the information that I bring together is, you know, filling my purpose and that helps. But for the most part, I'm still... I'm still chasing something and still thinking that my happiness is going to come from some sort of feel, success. Yeah. Does it feel like um, you can't access that? Like you can't access the joy in those things? Yeah, because – well, because I, this is what I'm going to end up writing about because this is the end of the cross. I figured out the cross addiction piece. And, you know, like it, it came to me. I actually left a meditation to go and write this out because I was like, oh, oh. I've got it, but I got it. I mean, I it made total perfect sense, which is like 
we were, you know, it made what was I what was so weird about it was it made sense when my knees were hurting, when I made it through that because I was in extreme pain, but the but the teaching is to remain equanimous. Mm-hmm. Equanimous. And I was equanimous. I was in pain, but I was smiling and I had this very big insight of I get it. I I personally tend to stay away from displeasurable things as much as possible. So I'll, I look to make everything as comfortable. And I, I, I still don't like paying my bills. I still don't like doing my finances. I still don't like, you know, cleaning my apartment. I still, there's things that I, oh, yeah, you I resist, hate. I resist. I'm, yes. Yes, I do. And I had this moment where it's that the trick is going to is going to be being able to do all of the things and still maintaining that same equanimity towards it. Um that my happiness isn't going to come from, you know, having Augustine Burroughs on my podcast. Um that's joyous. It definitely brings joy, but it's not but if I but if I'm only, you know, counting my joy in the joyous moments, then I'm I'm pretty miserable, you know? And so um so yeah, I had that and I still need to work through it. Um but that was a big thing, which was I finding that I could be at peace in extreme discomfort. And if you read that last piece I wrote, I don't know if you read it, the second piece I was in. Ex- I couldn't be by myself. I was in traffic, and I was just. This is painful. I don't want to be in this. I don't want to be just sitting here by myself. This is awful. And I got that. It's never gonna not feel awful. I've wanted it to not feel awful. It's never gonna right. not feel awful. Things are always gonna hurt. Right. And it's more of yeah. being able to say, "Oh, this feels awful," and having compassion towards the part of me that is experiencing the awful of sitting in traffic and, you know, and just being with myself. Does that make sense to you? Are you it getting, makes, okay. Oh, it makes a hundred percent. I'm just don't want to add to it because it's, or I'm, I'm waiting for you to finish, but it's, it's huge. It's huge, huge, huge. And I, I mean, I completely get it because I feel that I felt it heavy this weekend, like not wanting to be my, with myself being extremely uncomfortable. I also was in the car um, not by myself. And, uh, I think I thought a lot about, I've thought a lot about that lately. It's just the, I, I also too, and I think all of us, but I also resist being uncomfortable in, in almost any way. And I would say being a mother has been the biggest teacher for this because uh, it's just, a lot of it is monotonous things you must do you know, drudgery. It's, but it's also, there's like, it's like stuff that just has to get done. And I am terrible at doing the things I'm supposed to do. Like I, like you said, I'm ter- same shit, terrible at paying my bills. I mean, I, I resist all things that are not what I want to do. <laughs> yes. Yes. And, um, they're the one area of, I mean, sobriety is a thing for, you know, that not drinking is something I did not, you know, did not want to do at all, did that. But being a mother, there is a shitload of stuff that I just don't want to do. And it's daily and it comes. And I've learned like there's, you know, I've learned the same thing, like some of the same things that you were describing while sitting there in meditation I've had those same, you know, sensations while being a mother. Yeah. It's um it's yeah. fucking hard. <laughs> it's yeah. really hard. Yeah. 
Um, but it's beautiful. It's beautiful because, like Pema says, if you can, if you can, um, if you can be with yourself, you know, uh, in those moments, and you can, you can be anywhere. You know, you can then you can yes. do anything. And Rob Bell had this great, great, great quote. Um, I think it was when he was on the Big Magic podcast, but he said. Because someone was calling and complaining about how they hated their job. It was the worst job ever. And it was so, you know, such drudgery. It was awful. And she didn't want to be doing it. And he said, this is, this is when you pay attention, you know. And he said, if you can pay attention in the valley, you're going to be able to pay attention on the mountain. And I love that. I loved it. Right? Well, and that's exactly right. That's exactly right. And it's it's being able to be there. It's being able to be there through all of it, and and not and and also just not ex, not putting not ex, not not putting your stock in an out in something outside of your control in order to make you happy, right? Like you. And it's such an easy thing recipe. to say, though. Like we say that. We all say that, and we we read that, but. Oh, over and over so, and over again but, but it's, it's like you it's not until it. you're in the thing where there is no escape that you really it burns into you you know like and you that's said. It. yep that's it no that's ex- that's exactly it because you're right I've heard this five million fucking times I know that I know all of this but I've never ever to the extent actually experienced it the way that I did in this set and that was that was the gem of it in that and it was it was hearing it and hearing it and hearing it but then actually sitting there and and thinking my knees are going to pop off of my legs and um but at the same time saying oh interesting this is pain they they push you to experience pain and smile at your pain and yeah. smile at that pain and so oh. i was sitting there and I, and i started digging it's crazy I started digging that pain that terrifies me. I actually started, I was like, I, I knew it would kick in at 30 minutes. I'd want the thing to be over. I'd start getting antsy. I knew when it would kick in. And then when it started to kick in, the last, you know, 10 sit or however many sits came after that, 15, I don't know. Um, yeah, there were 15 times that that happened after that first one. Um, I started to go, ooh. Here it comes. It's coming and I get to practice burning and that and then what was really interesting was um was then I had um his voice Goenka's voice I loved watching him I hated just hearing him I hated his chants I hated it was just there was something about it and I started to and at first I was like oh my god just kill me now make me stop listening to this fucking shit and then I started going oh this is an opportunity to practice being disliking something and having and having compassion for myself isn't it amazing like have you ever heard the Pema talk where she brings her she's in like a cold depression and she brings that to her to Chogam Trumpa Rinpoche her teacher and he was like oh this is good good." Yeah. yeah Yes. And she's yes. like, fuck you. Like, uh, what? Yeah. Like, this is, this is, you can work with this. You can work yeah. with this. That's exactly yeah. right. You get to work with it. And so, yeah, so I now have this thing where I've learned something that I knew so many, I, I'd heard, you know. But you, know, you didn't capital K. But no. I didn't know. And, and I get to now, when I, going back to that piece where I was like in traffic on Valentine's Day and just not wanting to be with myself. 
I actually can now go back to that scene and say, ah, I can sit there and be in that extreme discomfort. And then the beauty of it, that they, the way that it was presented was when you burn it off. Either you create some scars, either you dig the pattern deeper, dig the, either you dig the ditch deeper and by resisting it, by not wanting it, or you allow it to burn off. He had a great way of putting this. He said, if you fast for a day, you're fine. If you fast for a week, you know, you could probably make it almost two months not eating food. And how is it that you can make it two months not eating food? Because you have stores. Because you have stores of fat. And your body burns off of them. And then finally it dies when there's no more. This is what your samskara. Samskara, you can look it up. But a samskara is this idea. It's the it's the thing that we do over and over and over yeah. again. And suffering. So, Doesn't it mean suffering? So it can mean a lot of different. He, they were called samsaras here. But samskara basically just means um, it's the it's the habits. It's the... Um, okay. It's, yeah. it's like, um, it's, they, it's your scar. It's the same, it's like, I always remember same, yeah, yeah, same yeah. scar. It's like yeah, you take right. a, a glass of water, you pour it down, um, you know, a hill of dirt. And I'm not explaining it to you, I'm explaining it to other people. Um, you take a glass of water, you pour it down a hill of dirt. The water essentially will start making little, you know, it'll start making little ditches. Earth grooves right and the more you pour water over if it goes down the same groove again and again and again it creates deep scars and these are the habits that you repeat over and over and over and over again so you know if your pattern is to um you know like we can just use it very you know basically saying we come home from work we have a glass of wine we do this over a period of time we create this you know we do create the same pattern and only resisting this pattern do we start to fill it in do we start to fill it in and so this idea before where and I knew this about cravings this is this is one of the examples I've used to explain how to repattern our brains and to make and to break a craving for alcohol but I never really thought about it in terms of just general suffering but I started to he it started to make sense to me that if sitting in traffic Allowing it to burn, remaining with myself as it burns, is getting rid of, is changing the habit, is getting rid of the samskara, is filling it in. Whereas before, I just thought it was needless, pointless suffering, and I'd always have, all of a sudden I got, ah, if I actually tune into the suffering, I allow myself to be, you know, equanimous towards it, allow it to be, then I can actually get myself out of this pattern of being and drudgery, you know, this, this, like this, re- this resistance I have towards being still and this resistance I have yeah. towards doing this other stuff, you know? So. Do you feel like it was, it was just so fascinating to me because certain states are really uncomfortable. I mean, t- like brutally uncomfortable. Um, you know, for me, like the pain of rejections. I was going to say rejection because it's of- almost unbearable right Ugh, or the worst um, you know anger anger can feel good actually um but th- there are certain things that rejection are... stay with rejection yeah okay so do you feel like it actually changes the way you experience rejection or is it just changing your relationship with it like it's like it's changing you your not... experience and your relationship with it like you don't feel the pain as much or you just – You do really... feel the pain but then you have – but then you also realize, ah, this is pain. 
You're yeah, adding an additional totally layer to it. It's not totally identifying with it. Yeah. It's not being the pain. You're not you're not the pain. You're not it's being able to say it's like, you know, it's for instance, it's like um it's exactly what happened to me today when I had that old text exchange with Peter cigarettes, right? Like <laughs> I had that like I was in it. I was I was in it was intolerable. I can't I don't do well with um ambiguity with men. And I was sitting there just boiling over it, right? But I was also taking the time I, I can't change that. I can't always change, like, to say, just don't. Home. Right, right. Yeah, I can't. It's what I'm experiencing. But if I can actually stay with myself in that deep discomfort and say, ah, she's, she's, it's ambiguity, it's the thing, and actually stay with myself and observe it and have this, like, it's almost like second person, third, you know, it's, all, it's, it's just mm-hmm. having that observer self, ha- that observer self, I'm still experiencing, if I'm in knee pain, if I'm sitting there my knee's flaring up, I'm still experiencing, there's no way around it. That's pain. I'm experiencing pain because I'm in a gross human body. But I also have the ability to be, to not create mental anguish on top of it, right? right? And say, oh, I'm in pain and I want out of this pain. I can actually step out and say, ah, this is knee pain. This hurts a lot. But not create this like mental craving to not be in it. And that's yeah. the same thing. If I'm with like, if I'm, you know, Peter Cigarettes is creating this ambiguous, you know, the stuff with Peter Cigarettes is creating this ambiguous situation. That's my old rejection pain. My body's reacting. It's physically in my body reacting yep. into that ambiguity and that rejection. And then I, but I don't also have to, have to create like the, this, I can actually create the separate part of me that says, that can see what's happening and can, and understand this is, this is the pain of rejection. This, you know, and have that same, like, you know, like that same observer self around. It's just, it's mindfulness. It's being able to not be it. It's being able to observe it as an experience, but not be the experience. And it takes, I mean, I, yeah, it, and it takes, it's practice. Like Life, it'll take daily, me for the rest of my daily. fucking life. The only people that don't witness this that don't that are not subject to this are liberated individuals enlightened individuals and i i don't know many jesus i don't know any buddha i mean no i mean jesus and buddha like those are the ones we know the ascended masters and and i think emma's up there probably (laughs) she's still in my mind she's still human you can hear it in her talk you can still hear her she talks she's constantly copying to her faults and um and petty thoughts and you know what I mean that's why she's such a good communicator because she still is in it and you know and the idea is you know I mean I believe in multiple lives and and many 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 lives and and I just I look at this as like I want to do the best that I I don't want to be enlightened in this life I still like being a human way too much I still like I like being of this world very much yeah I do I do I actually, I like some of the pain. I like some of the, you know, um, but at the same time, it's just giving me, it's, you know, it's, it's something that I, I just have, I barely like, I've known about, I've studied, I've tried to experience this, whatever this 10 days was, it gave me this final, this slight leap out of kind of understanding it and, and having applied it loosely here and there to being able to like, go, oh, that's what they're talking about. And then. Um, you know, and I'll forget a million times again, you know, but, um, of course. but, but I had a, I did have a leap in that area. So I love it. Yeah. 
yeah, it was, that was, that was big. That was really big. Yeah. Like remembering God, remembering my, you know, remembering like how much I, I used to just like, when I first started this path, I really wanted to be a nun. I really like got like what it meant to give my life over to something. Um, and like I said, I took the whole, I took the question of do I, you know, do I talk to this Peter cigarettes again or not? And I ended up not thinking about that. What I remember, what I got back to is I'm here to be in service. And I, rem- and I haven't been in touch with that part of me, honestly, since, since about 2000. And I mean, I get, I, that's like my everyday life, but I haven't had that like, like um, that um, that love affair with that idea um, yeah. in, in a bit because I've been – Like it's just another job. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's just become – it's my job now to do this stuff. And so I got that connection, that God connection, that spirit, that source, I'm here to serve came back in a big way. And then that, that total um, understanding of um, – that final breakthrough of understanding – how to deal with the monotony of life. I feel like I can, I, I, I was excited to come back and do my chores because, yeah. and to, to practice being bored while doing my chores. Isn't that nice? Yeah. <laughs> I know. I get a lot of joy out of my monotonous chores. Well, I, I, I mean, just doing them. And I think some of that is just truly sobriety. Like I, you know. No, but you were saying that you didn't, that you did, that you avoided certain things. Oh, yeah, but when I, but what I've learned, and this is what I meant through motherhood, right? Through being a mom. And this is like a daily thing. And sometimes I still despise it. But when I do those things, I love the act of having done them. Like it, I never thought doing those things would bring me this sort of sense of joy and peace. Yeah. You know, having like my bills paid, doing my daughter's laundry getting her, making her lunches and having, putting in, being mindful about what I'm putting in them because I know she likes certain things, you know, going to the grocery store, like basically all the shit that I thought was being so, was so boring about being an adult, you know, and that I just kind of eschewed like as a drinker, like, ugh, you know, whatever, I have to do all that shit. I enjoy it, you know, and I enjoy it at all is a miracle. You know, yeah. I, I don't enjoy it 100% of the time. I don't enjoy it even 50% of the time, but it's there. Like, and I can do those things and I can be bored. And that's, I don't know. It's like, um, it's a beautiful act of like service and self-care that just feels really special. Well, no, and- but don't, but don't, I feel like this is somehow confusing it because I, I, I'm the same in that I have found joy in a lot of the boring. I'm talking about sometimes just the, like the stuff that's really, really uncomfortable to do. Like the stuff for me no. that's really, really uncomfortable to do is to is to go in and do my finances. Yeah, and yeah. the the stuff I have a, like an extreme aversion to. Um, and and I do like there's just there are some tasks I hate cleaning my apartment. I hate yes. cleaning. Like I don't mind grocery shopping. I don't mind. You know what I mean? There's a lot of boring stuff I love doing. I'm talking about the things that I have an extreme aversion yeah. to. Yeah. yeah. Um, that I don't do because I, I find myself so uncomfortable doing those things. Yeah. Do you, do you, do you, do you have things like that that you oh, have? Yes. Okay. Okay. So many things, okay. so many things. And it's, I'm constantly working on them. I mean, I have tons of stuff like that. Um, this is so long. We've already, I know, I, think, like, I know. Um, 
Yeah. So, is there anything else, or did, was this? Interesting? I think we covered. <laughs> I think we covered the eat. It's so interesting. I mean, I love. I love it. <gasps> Uh, and I well, think it's so different than what we usually do. You know, this is like exciting and it's a, an experience. And I think um, we talked about what would be easiest and the hardest thing. What was the easiest thing? Did you say that? Oh, the easiest thing was meditating and not talking. The hardest thing was meditating and not talking. That was funny. <laughs> yeah. um, I, you uh, know, are you going to do it again? Yes. I'm so going to do it again. And not because I, I want to become, not because the, not because I think it's like my path. I just think it was really hard. And I love, I really love the part of this path where we get to keep on throwing ourselves over and over and over again into the fire. This is throwing myself into the fire. And anything I find like this where I can really, really burn. I mean, it really, really, it was, it was not what I expected. When I came out of it, I was not Zen. I was not like just, I was not Yoda. I really honestly thought I would talk slower and we got, we went to an ecstatic dance and I was like, I literally tore my clothes off and like not all, I mean, I had a bathing suit. I tore like my top off and I was on the floor for like an hour and a half nonstop, just like fucking dancing like my, my heart out. And I thought I would be so zenned out and I was not. And another thing was I got, I loved being on a schedule. That was another realization to me was I loved the 17 hour days. I loved it. I have more. I, today I have, I normally have five, six, seven, eight cups of coffee a day. I today only had two cups of coffee, you know, and, and I feel, I feel great. I feel so good. Um, yeah, it was awesome. So the organization is Dhamma, D-H-A-M-M-A dot org. Here's the cool thing about it. It's free. You don't pay anything up front. You donate afterwards based on perceived value. So I'm going to give them a lump donate lump sum donation. I'm going to give them a monthly donation, ongoing donation. I'm going to go you back You just and, had to pay to get there and Yes, it was free. They feed you. They you know, this is we're talking about the most beautiful setting. This is in Hawaii. It's the uh, there's only one in Hawaii. It's in Pahoa. So if you look up Dhamma.org and you look for a location, and you, these I mean, these locations, they do this throughout the world for free. You can go anywhere in the world, you can do this for free. I really recommend doing the one in Hawaii. There's something very magical about that land. Yes. Um, and uh, yeah, and you go and then you experience it. And after the fact, after they feed you and take care of you and teach you and give you a place to put your tent and give you hot showers and toilets that flush and toilet paper you know they you know after they take care of you only then and they never ask you up front they never say how much you're gonna give it's just up to you it's just the way the organization is run it's based on it is super cool and um i do i do recommend you having um some sort of meditation practice under your belt i do recommend that um i recommend trying to do it are you saying i shouldn't go yet You can. I mean, you, you, you. I think anybody, you know, I think if it calls to you, it calls to you, you know, and you'll figure it out when you get there. I don't think it's the worst thing in the world. But I do, I found it helpful to be a regular meditator. Now, there were other people that were not regular meditators at all that would, you know, went for the first time. And, um, you know, I just, out of my own conscience, uh, I wouldn't recommend, I wouldn't just tell anybody run and run and go because I think you have to have a longing to do it, craving to do it, a desire to do it. Um, and, and really also feel like you can hold out that commitment because that can be pretty devastating. You go somewhere and then, you know, four days later, 
you know, you're running. That's that's hard. So um, so I do I do say you know think it through. But I recommend, I really do recommend as part of this path, as part of this growth path towards finding who we are and testing our edges and testing our limits and coming into our own skin. I definitely recommend doing this as part of it. I think I think it's a really important um, experience, and I think everyone should should take the opportunity if they can to shut the fuck up for 10 days, not have their phone for 10 days. You know, yes. I didn't have any books. That sounds amazing. Uh, well, the not yeah. having a phone part. No, oh, God, it was awesome. Nothing. No contact with the outside world. No eye contact. No, no, I didn't read. I did take, it was funny because they took all my books and my phone and then I kept my Bloomberg Business Week. I'd read it already and I didn't keep it for any other reason than just it felt too naked to not have something yeah and then I started getting all this like insight and you know you open your mind you when you shut off your critical mind and your linear mind your whole you get this access to places you don't normally and so I I just was free-flowing it free-flowing it plus when funny things would happen like if somebody like this woman I swear sharded um in the in the room and then kept on meditating and I I mean I had to write that down you know and was she next to you she's I'm not saying where she was um and then no I'm not ta- I'm just saying it was just like one of those things I was like girl you I swear there's something in your pants but um but she was committed and she stayed and so, um so and then I went, so you wrote all over your bloomberg I, bl- I wrote all over it because like stuff like that would happen and then like um and just and I had to capture the randomness of the thoughts that would come into my mind. I started thinking one day about Sam Elliott. I don't even know why, but I was like, did Sam Elliott play rapist in every single movie he's ever been in? And then later on in the day, and I wrote that down, you know, because that was what was in my head and I thought it was interesting. And then later on that day, I was like, did Sam Elliott play rapist in Mask? And then I started thinking about Mask. And I was like, how many times did I watch Mask when I was little? And then I started wondering why I was so obsessed with that movie Mask. And then I started thinking about Eric Stoltz playing Mask. And I was like, wait, was it Eric Stoltz? Uh, you know, like your mind is yeah. just crazy. Like this is the shit I thought about. This is the shit I thought about when I wouldn't catch myself and I'd bring myself back. And I love it. Yeah. I love our minds. Being a human is the most. So it's the best. Uh, amazing. <laughs> it's bizarre. Great experience. It truly is. As, while you were talking at one point, I'm just thinking, human being, human being is so weird. <laughs> it's so weird, and it's so, um, it's such a privilege, you know. It really it is. is. But beyond that, it's just fucking weird. It's I mean, so weird. Okay, um, let's end so, it. So, yeah. So while you were gone, I quit my job. We'll talk about that later. Oh my god, I know. <laughs> Well, I think we have an episode about that because I think that that's a big deal. And I think like we, you know, kind of tie in creativity and purpose into that because we've never talked about creativity and purpose. Yeah. And I think we should also do an episode on, um, on fear, like fears and, and what fear, like leaping and fear and all these, I've had a bunch, a bunch of questions about that. Like, how did you, you know, make the leap and how did you finally decide to make the leap and are you afraid and. Um, I think it would be a really cool episode to do. Yeah. Um, We'll have to structure that pretty carefully, but I would love to do something along those lines because now um, you and I both have, I mean, gone into 
we both are now walk we've both now walked the path of leaving a secure high paying job um for absolutely no security and and complete uncertainty um (laughs) stop (laughs) stop reminding me well, it works out. It always works out. I you know, know I'm teasing you. Today you were funny because you you were like, you're going to think about money all the time. You're going to be stressed out. You'll probably nap. You're going to eat well, everything. Well, you asked. Let's be clear. You said, do you think I'm going to nap a lot? And I said, you're going to live in your bed. You're not going to want to come out. You're going to be scared about money every second of your life, even when you have enough of it. Um, you're going to be certain that you're going to fail. You're going to wonder why you did this. You're going to want your job back. You know, I mean, like you're going to have every fucked up thought in the entire world. You'll go, you know, in the middle of the day while everyone else is at work, you'll be sitting in a fucking church crying, um, (laughs) in a trench coat without a bra and without having showered in five days. (laughs) No. That's your story. Oh, no, I know all those things are going to be true. But anyway, so we'll talk about that and and this episode is officially maybe our longest ever. No. Maybe it feels like I'll edit it. I'll edit it. Meditate. I'll edit it. Well, I now that I can talk, I just want to talk now. Um, cool. All right. Well, I love you. Thank you for doing this. Um, it was so special to do that. And um, I really am uh, grateful that you allowed me to talk about it on this. Are we titling it Holly Doesn't Talk for 10 Days? Yeah. Cool. All right. Okay. Bye. I have to tell you about a thing that happened today. Oh, so, well, let's say goodbye, and then you can tell me that on the outro. Bye. Um, I was listening to the Rob Bell podcast the day that I quit my job. Infinitely Sweet.